It's red. We're red. We're red. We're red. Okay. Red too. <laughs> and you ain't Star Wars fans around here. That yeah yeah I missed on that reference. Man, I thought you were doing a football like a quarterback thing. No, man. Man, you talking about Star, Star Wars. Wars? I'm in the middle of church wars. What you talking about? <laughs> Better than Glenn's culture wars. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Till We Feast, where three pastor friends leading three cross-cultural congregations in Washington, D.C., wrestle with a question each week concerning how the church can be a foretaste of the feast of God. I'm Duke Kwan, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I'm joined in the studio by Pastor Glenn Hoberg and Pastor Russ Whitfield. How are you guys doing today? Hey, hey. Hey. I'm doing well. I feel pretty good. I met with my coach today. I started meeting with a okay. coach. Yeah, man. What, what kind of coach we talking? It, it make me make me feel good about myself, coach. Well, look, that's good. <laughs> no, no, we need that. We need that. Really, he's a really good. No, it's good. Good. It energized me. So mm. I don't know why I waited so long to do this in ministry. Sometimes mm. we need that, right? Yeah, we need mm. some help. Really helpful stuff. So. Well, well, I'm I'm gonna step in and ask myself the question because I think it's a, how am I doing? We got to talk to ourselves this way, right? Duke, how, how I'm sorry, how I'm I, insensitive. How are no, you it's doing all today? Right. It's all right. I'll ask myself. We got to. We got to learn how to do this i'm doing okay <laughs> actually i had a funny moment earlier on the way here because i was doing some work at mullen library at catholic university just down the street here mm -hmm. and i just started wondering do do i blend in or am i too old <laughs> you know, i definitely don't look like clergy because them guys all wearing uh right. collars yeah. right so they definitely stand out the priests and stuff mm -hmm. but i was like can't do i possibly blend in or am i an old fart that just stands out like a sore thumb right because i got a hoodie on i also have a backpack yeah no what do you think, like, well, I am think I, am hoodie I, was I covering that gray <laughs> I think <laughs> probably brings it out more, right? That's right. Yeah, but you probably got campus security a little bit interested. Eyeing like, me, right, right? Like, like you know, who's the guy? Ah, yeah. the, the prowler. There's <laughs> yeah. a guy hanging out with our undergraduates here. Get I him know. out of here. Seriously. <laughs> How about you, Russ? How are you doing? Oh, I knew you guys were going to ask me that. Mm. Well, my rear is kicked. Mm. I am so tired. I am. I My to-do list is unrelenting and is like all the life stuff, all the ministry stuff is right. just mm -hmm. on 10. And so I am tired and it actually surfaces a question. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Bring more, in man. today. So, you know, there is seasonality in ministry. So yep. some seasons are busy and yep. intense and some seasons are a little less intense and less busy, but I've been, I've been thinking about, you know, how do you know, when you're just experiencing like a seasonal kind of fatigue because of an intense ministry season yeah, versus uh, the beginnings of burnout. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, yeah. what, what, we talk a lot about pastoral burnout and I think that we assume everyone knows what that means right. or what that entails. You know, the ideal, I, to my mind, is that, like, if you find yourself approaching it, you know how to pull the nose of the plane up before you go into full-blown burnout mode, yeah, right? right? Right. 
this is a busy season for us, right. which involves just your regular regular ministry kickoffs, new sermon series, new events. Yeah, it's that September, you're doing. right? But add into that, our community is in the process of trying to purchase a building, right? And so there's that's like a whole nother job, and then you figure home stuff, life stuff, yeah. And so I, I guess what I, I what I would love to hear about from y'all, I'd love your perspective on like. The, the, you can do this by way of like your own personal story. Like his, here's how I know when I'm tired and this is what I do, you know, to try and mitigate that, um, get some rest versus like, I, I don't know if I've ever experienced burnout. Mm. I just don't know. Mm. But I'm I'm curious as to how you guys would differentiate between ordinary ministry fatigue and what is the beginnings of pastoral burnout That's a or great, ministry burnout. Right. That's a great question, Russ. I mean, you got my mind turning just about myself. Mm. There's a difference, too, between there could be like one event Mm -hmm. that takes so much out of you, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so it can kind of like maybe that's the start of it, Mm. or it's this like bad pattern Mm. of never resting. Mm. Like like early on in the church plant, Mm. it was probably about two years into it, both my wife and one of our elders hmm. confronted me and just said, is this what it's going to be like? Mm. Especially her. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I wasn't that's present. Not, that sounds like a wife question, right? Yeah. Is this, oh, is this what it's going to be? Oh, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's funny. It's the good. Way, we the, need that. Yeah, the way I've handled it. You know, it's these moments where you always feel like you're missing the point. Like she, she would say... I feel like we're not connected. And then I would tell her all the, the I would give her the data. Well, no, I was here Wednesday for dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then remember, I, we took a walk and got coffee last. And it's sort of like, she's like, you don't get it, mm. right? You're like, you're not present. Mm. I was running at that speed. And I was, I remember being so, I was like, a, a, you had to pry my hands off. Mm. I started by going, all right, I, I'll take mm. part of a day off. Mm. And mm. so I'd start at like noon. Mm. And, and a lot of this had to do with sermon anxiety, mm. right? It had mm. to do with this like performance thing. Uh-huh. Eventually I managed to do one. And I say all that because now, at least with the pattern burnout, I feel like now I have a reference point. Mm. One day a week, I got a reference point and I can be like, man, I'm like way far away of what it feels to be restful. Mm. But I I find now what gets me more is not so much transgressions of my rest work pattern, mm. but the way I will emotion, let things in the ministry emotionally mm. tax me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like differentiating yes. myself, yeah, yes. ruminating, right, mm. and and it's a different sort of like burnout. It's mm. a different sort of drain. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Duke, if you. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first thoughts that are coming to my mind, Russ, is, well, first of all, as you guys know, <laughs> I kind of experienced burnout. Mm. Yeah. 2016, mm-hmm. about five, six years into our church plant. I mean, I was tired. Mm-hmm. I was dropping balls. Mm-hmm. It was showing up with measurable ministry impact as far as appointments that were missed or things that weren't getting done and people mm. in our congregate, our new congregation that mm. were basically feeling it like, hey, mm. where did he go? Why is this not happening? That sort of thing. So mm. there was a measurable impact. Mm. But I just felt like, hey, this is just what needs to get done and this is just what I'm, I'm just doing my best. And 
And, 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 and by the way, that language of I'm just doing my best also makes self-pity creep in a little <laughs> bit, which I think itself becomes a, a, a defensive mechanism against honesty, uh, honesty around burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm just doing my best. Just, yeah. but I do remember I, I, I came to Glenn and I said, um, just, I think this was an or a routine check-in meeting. And I said, Hey, I, I think I might be burning out mm. and I might be, and it felt like almost before I could get out mm. the full sentence, Glenn was, I felt like I got like stripped down, mm put some, uh, like a, a, a gown over me, wheeled <laughs> onto a stretcher into the ER. With your behind right, hanging you know, out. With my- <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, right? And, right, you know, they're like rolling me in there and everyone's mm. like, you know, testing my vitals and all. Mm. And I mean, that's a blessing. Mm. Um, and not a lot of people have that kind of, you know, care <laughs> and support. <laughs> yeah. you, you picturing me. Yeah, no, I know you are you are picturing me in an ER. <laughs> I'm just no, picturing you in the hospital bed laying on your belly. Naked. <laughs> Naked. I know you are. Yeah. Right? So um and, and I'm happy to unpack mm. more of what that season yeah, was like. I remember but that. The, but you were I know you do. And the first the first thought that I'm trying to convey here. Here, trying to convey here, <laughs> Russell, um, is I needed someone outside of me mm. to tell me mm. that I was That's good. not doing well. That's like good, it, it, the the gap that I felt, and it almost felt like embarrassing, almost. Mm. And and Glenn, really, the whole time, even those next couple of weeks, I kept asking myself, "Wait, is it really that bad?" Mm. Right? Because what happened was I was put on immediate leave to get some rest and to address certain things, right? And Mm. I kept saying, wait, whoa, this is so sudden and so drastic. On the one hand, I'm so appreciative. I love it. Mm. On the other hand, this is, I I don't know what to do Mm. with this. It's probably what I need, but, Mm. but I don't know. And kind of that feeling of like, wait, should I have just kept my mouth shut? Right. (laughs) Right. Almost almost feeling that way. And so again, I think it takes people outside of you that you trust that you love, that love you, that know you hmm. to diagnose some of this. Because I think the whole point of burnout is that you, your, your calibrations are all off. You cannot mm. read yourself rightly that when you actually good. are mm. burnt out. The second thing I'll throw in there is just being aware of personal temperament. Mm. Mm. And so on the That's one good. hand, you kind of need to know how you run. So, because I think different things burn people out differently. Like mm. you were saying, Glenn, about comments that people make and are you the type to linger over them or really let them let that those things eat you up because you keep on replaying the, the tape in your mm-hmm. head, so to speak. Tape, what decade am I in, right? Hey, look, uh, I was right with you. I didn't even think <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, Right, so you replaying it. Um, I tend to run in the direction of burnout almost constantly. And mm. that's, that 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 can be rough because I'm like, well, I'm tired, but I kind of always feel a little tired. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, that sort of thing. So I think knowing how this stuff is impacting you um, relative to yourself, I think is key. So knowing mm-hmm. sort of your own engine and, mm-hmm. and, and knowing what really taxes you and what really fries you and what a tired week feels like versus a really bad month or season. Mm. You know, what a busy season. So for example, what what have other Septembers felt like for you, Russ, or 
what what are the signs for you personally? Maybe that's worth talking about. What yeah. what are the actual personal signs that you're tipping over the edge or crossing the line into mm-hmm. the realm of burnout? So knowing yourself, I think, is key. Mm-hmm. And again, other people that know you well speaking into that self-knowledge, I think is important. I want to press in a little bit more on that yeah. and ask more specifically. So when you were going through that, much in the same way that like doctors kind of have a Rolodex of symptoms that then lead them to a diagnosis. Mm. What would you say were the symptoms of burnout for you? And I want you to also speak from, you know, working off a of Duke's idea that like you need someone from the outside to speak in. Like mm. what were the things that you saw in Duke, Glenn, that made you say, this is an urgent, re- this is an urgent thing right now. This is not just regular old, you know, fatigue. This is something more. So starting with you, yeah. what, what would you say were some of the symptoms you noticed? And then I want Glenn to hit that. Well, I, I mean, definitely signs of overtiredness. Mm. But for me, that actually uh, manifests in heightened anxiety. So mm. it, it's not like I, I just want to sleep all the time. Mm. It's I'm amped up and just constantly pushing on to the next thing mm. and not able to turn it off. And so mm. just detecting that where it's like the engine is running mm. on like whatever RPM, super high, mm-hmm. constantly mm. and not feeling like I can stop. So there was that mm. sort of the anxiety level that was super high. Mm-hmm. There was the practical stuff in my life where I knew whatever it feels like personally, I wasn't taking time off. I wasn't mm, sufficiently yeah. getting breaks. And mm. I knew, actually, I remember this being an important indicator to me. I knew that I was working and laboring week to week, not out of the replenishment of rest, mm but out of the adrenaline of success. Mm. Oh. And so it was mm. like, hey, things are working well. Let's keep going. Hey, things are going well. Let's keep going. And so not actually ever feeling like, oh, let's let's do this again because I've been able to really steep myself in spiritual rest and, and sleep and good, healthy practices. And, and now out of that, let's come back into the game, but rather, oh, we got to go chase it. Hey, this is great. Hey, the Lord is blessing the work. And again, because it's not always burnout out of a negative experience. Sometimes it's burnout owing to a positive mm. season of ministry and, mm-hmm. and, and life because you're running too hard. So there's that. And then I'll just throw in lastly to-, to Could you to, say to, that again though, before you hit your last yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you say that? You were operating more out of- I was operating more out of, more out of the, the, the motivation of wanting to capitalize on good ministry mm-hmm. and the adrenaline of keeping it going. Mm. Yeah. Rather, and, and rather than working week to week out of the replenishment that comes from healthy Sabbath practice, mm. out of the replenishment that comes from mm. inward and outward rest. Dude, and, I, could, and I saw the, the difference there, right, in, in my life. So the, the last thing I'll just point out is just, like I said, the measurable actual impact on ministry, the signs that I was dropping balls. I was, I, I tend to get in this bad, unhealthy pattern of avoidance. I get avoidant mm. when I feel overwhelmed. And so I was mm. like, not just missing appointments. I was just kind of like checking out and disappearing. Mm. And so when I knew my inbox was not being tended to, when I knew my voicemail, my voice messages were just left or my texts and that sort of thing. And I could feel it in me mm. that I was sort of like just turning my head and just, you know, whistling in the dark as mm. it were, right? Just hoping mm. it would just go away. Mm. I knew that's, 
That's a sign of unhealth. And, and from yeah. that period, I've actually picked up on that as a personal symptom. Like, mm. how do I know now mm. when I'm starting to drift into an unhealthy state of overwhelm, anxiety, and even burnout? It's, mm. it's when I start checking out and not checking in, right? Mm-hmm. Not responding, not actually following up. That's super helpful. Yeah. Glenn, I was thinking, yeah, ahead. I want to definitely uh, weigh in on my experience of that time. But I was thinking about a quote I heard years ago, even before I got into pastoral ministry, Mm. where the guy said, we don't labor out of rest, we labor to get rest. Mm. And there's also a part of that, I think, in ministry in my life where you're just like, my wife once said, like, I noticed like when we're doing, you know, like house stuff and chore stuff, like you immediately get on it. And do it. And it's not because I'm Mr. Diligent. I'm just mm-hmm. like looking to the time when I can sit in my chair. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm going to knock this out. But yes. that, that'll get you in ministry because you're never done with people. There's you're no never good, done yeah, with no end. no end to it. Right. You only can take breaks from it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think in that time too, getting back, the point about relationships, like we had been in ministry together for about 10 years by then. Mm. So I, I think I was, I had some reference point yeah, right, for you. Right. I also think, you know, we had met regularly enough where I was like, okay, you know, there's sort of like yellow lights and then there's flashing red lights. Mm. And some of the stuff you've already mentioned, I think too, it's just, you know, even when physically you look at someone and they just look like they're wiped out. Mm. You and, say not look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm sure I did. I'm well, still trying I'm to figure sure out why Glenn called you a yellow light. <laughs> <laughs> Good question, Hobart. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Just kidding. Keep going. No, no, that's, that's helpful. Good. You were saying yeah. you had a baseline because you knew Duke. And you could see it, like, yeah. as we always talk about, like, our anthropology is, is a, we're a body-soul nexus. The, the, there's there's not sharp lines between mm-hmm. our material and immaterial. And so, if you got something going on in your mind, your spirit, your heart, it will work its way out into your body. Right, right. And if your body is not healthy, it will eventually affect the immaterial, the heart, the mind, the soul. Right? And, and if it doesn't, you're so dissociated that yeah. itself is a problem. Oh, that's too, good. Right? That's good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would also say, because we've worked together, in a in a you know a community of churches, right. it was not fun for you, Duke. But I feel like that moment you receiving that mm. was an act of maturity and humility, which really became, I think, a tangible sign to our leadership community mm. that they had permission mm. to be benched, mm. permission mm. to take breaks. In mm. fact, I would use that language. Mm. And after that point, right, we've had that sort of in our culture where like, hey, it's it's okay. Yeah. Take time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be because it's the worst case scenario. I love the question about like signs and mm. I love what Duke said. I don't like you need people looking at you mm-hmm. and being in your community. Mm-hmm. Personal signs. Yeah. What, what, what's it for yeah, you, Glenn? I mean, personal signs for me, I stop journaling and reading. Mm-hmm. Just like tired. Mm. I, is it that you don't feel like you have enough time to do it or that it's not prioritized enough or that you just don't even have the motivation? I don't have the motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, to yeah. me, when I'm energized, that's when I want to self-reflect. Mm. I would say also, I definitely complain a lot. Mm. You're not, not to, my wife's getting hurt mostly. Mm-hmm. Like everything is like a, hey, we have this, <sighs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing with me, I can very easily self-justify and go, okay, 
uh, you know, I know normally just a night or two I'll sit out and have a cigar and mm-hmm. a drink and listen to music, but it's okay that I'm going to do it another night. Mm-hmm. And another, you know, you, basically the things that you go to for rest and pleasure mm-hmm. become, you're like, I'm doing this more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Instead mm-hmm. of it being a natural like, mm-hmm. rest and Sabbath, mm-hmm. it becomes a coping mm-hmm. mechanism. And thankfully, again, I got like, someone in my life, in my home, that can be like, you know, mm. you seem like you're checked out mm. again. Mm. So those are some of the signs for me. Yeah. I mean, real quick, Glenn, on what you were saying, that very last statement, you know, thankfully someone at home, I, I think that season for me was huge for our marriage mm-hmm. where Paula, who in that, in that time actually was caught off guard in some ways, partly because she's used to me running hard and fast and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And so for her to, she almost felt like in some ways she, she didn't see some of the signs, you know, Mm. in retrospect, she was able to be like, well, of course, Mm. but almost like the importance in the home space behind closed doors of learning Mm. about how your spouse responds to these pressures and what burnout looks like Mm. and and how important that is as well. Mm. I'll also throw in that whole point about complaining. I think complaining is, is a big part for me, sort of the uh, little indicator of creeping burnout where when I'm heading in that direction, I'm just like pissed at everybody, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, again, and, and to me, it's, it's a little bit of a, I, I use the word earlier, self-pity. It's like er- everything is everyone else's fault, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's the people, it's this, it's whatever. And you're just ornery mm. about ministry, mm. which you dig out, dig down deeper underneath that. It's that's you know ultimately lack of faith. You can't see anything beyond the conflict or the limitation or the thing that's not happening, right? So it's it's a shortness of sight as far mm. as faith is concerned. And then it's lack of gratitude, not able to see anything but what's not happening, right? So I'm just like yeah. mad about it all. So mm. for me. And this is probably something I just need to keep on asking my wife for input on, like asking how how much am I complaining about everything, right. or is that all we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and you want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you hearing, Russ? Well, here here's the thing. I'd love to hear y'all reflect on, like you know, it's easy to rush to answers and mm. remedies and whatnot. But I, th- I I'm I would love to hear y'all talk a little bit about like what is it about our faith. What is it about the gospel? What it is? It, what is it about our God that even makes it safe for us to admit that we feel that? And to what is it about our faith that welcomes the weary and the fatigued? And like, what are just some of our basic Christian resources that say, "Hey, you don't have to keep hiding it or or, or feigning strength or feigning energy when it's just not there." Like. Yeah. What what do y'all say just to kind of welcome the weary out of their hiding? Well, Duke, you know what that question's about. It's like I was waiting for you guys to get spiritual. You don't <laughs> you don't do it naturally, so I'm gonna have to help you. No, 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 no. No, I, no, I definitely feel mm. like I think a couple of things. One is, thankfully, I came up in the ministry with people that really preached grace, mm. understood grace. Right. And so I felt like that was my template, like mm. leaders that, that now I'm not saying their lifestyle maybe, but they, they believed it yeah. and preached it. Yeah. And then I think this part of the gospel that just hit me that, you know, what qualifies us before God is our need. Mm. Like the fact that Jesus really was drawn 
to needy, mm-hmm. people, attracted to needy people. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I did a study on the humanity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget the dude that said this in the book that he wrote, but Basically, you know, as they talk about the emotions of Jesus, the primary one you see is compassion. Mm. And there's that one particularly where he's like coming into a village and the the widow's son has died. Mm. He's he's never met her, Mm. but he's just like, he's just moved Mm. just by the sight, Mm. moved by the sight. Mm. And that stuff I think is really important Mm. because in my heart of heart, I'm like, it's just what Duke said. There's always this voice that like, you can't let yourself down. You got mm-hmm. all these people, like mm-hmm. you're a spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to show up and preach every Sunday. I can talk the other thing to myself where I won't ever show any weakness. Mm-hmm. I'll never show any that I'm tired. Yeah. And it is a vulnerable thing. Like there, there was a thing recently, uh, a hard thing in our community that I'll probably, once I feel like I'm more emotionally past it, mm-hmm. totally. Well, mm-hmm. Anyway, there's more right. more yeah. complex than that. But yeah. The point is, you know, there was a moment where you know I couldn't, I couldn't keep composed. Mm. I couldn't keep composed, mm. and I think in many ways, overall, the community received it so well. Mm. They were like, it it shepherded them, mm. but there was also like concern, mm. right? You know, right. It was like, is Glenn okay? Right? Mm. Is Glenn okay? Right? And I, you know, and I felt like, oh, man, I don't want them burdened with that. Yeah, like, yeah. So. Weakness that we're talking about, like tiredness in ministry and weakness. But the the thing that you we can't avoid talking about too is we're leaders, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that plays into this thing too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, man. Think, I, I feel like there's those gospel sort of core foundational convictions that are just it's make or break, right? Mm. Kind of what you're talking about in terms of the the realities of the promises of God's grace. Because mm. it really is true and almost impossible to believe in our flesh mm. when Jesus says through the apostle, my grace is sufficient for you. My mm. power is made perfect in weakness. Mm. And we're like, no, it ain't. <laughs> your, power, your power is made better in my strength. Yes. You know, we can both look good. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Let's make a deal here. Look, right? <laughs> and it's just, it, and it's almost impossible to believe in, in public ministry mm. through the eyes of flesh that when I look bad, actually, Jesus can look good. Mm. Like when I, because we really believe when I look bad, everything looks bad. Mm. Like it's just, there's no other way for a human being to process it. Mm. And it's true through Mm. eyes of flesh, Mm. right? When I look bad or when I do bad Mm. or when I fail or falter or whatever, that somehow in that weakness, Christ's grace can be sufficient, can show its perfection, can Mm. show its beauty in these jars of clay. Mm. So there's that. Mm. I think that is so huge. I, I think... I think there's also something to Sabbath itself as a principle and provision of grace, mm. right? So we often talk about Sabbath and we zip right to the, the question of practice of Sabbath. So how do you do it and, mm. and all that? That's good. But I think it's important to remember Sabbath as, you know, first that it was instituted to a bunch of former slaves mm-hmm. that were set free. Right. And for the first time in their life, I mean, most of these people, Israelites grew up under Pharaoh right. and were told that they're only good as their worth and value is measured by their utility, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, Mm -hmm. 
as enslaved workers making bricks, hmm. right? Every day, day in and day out. And finally they meet this God who not only rescues them, but then tells them you can mm. stop. Mm-hmm. And it's like they had never heard this before, right? Mm. So you can imagine the freedom, liberation, and the love mm-hmm. of God that they had experienced in that. Mm. And I think that love continues. It's hard for us to understand it, but it's like, what is Sabbath? It's not just the sum of our practices of rest. Mm. Sabbath is God's way of telling us mm. that we are still loved, mm-hmm. even at our least productive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You could be doing nothing. Mm-hmm. While we were powerless. When we were, pow- as we're powerless on a, on a whatever your Sabbath day is or on the evening and just these rhythms of Sabbath on a daily basis or even during the workday to take a break that you can actually stop mm. and take a quick walk or you can stretch your legs or your body or your, or your, or your mind or heart. You can actually stop mm-hmm. and God still loves you, mm-hmm. which sounds obvious, but I think to a burnt out minister, it mm. is the least obvious thing in the world. Mm. Right, mm. that that Sabbath thing is a portal through which we really do experience uh, overworked, recovering workaholics like myself. Mm. It's the portal through which we experience the love of God. Mm. I thought I thought of a diagnostic question, mm. Duke, of saying, you know, do, do we believe that God's happier with us when we're asleep or when we're awake? Yeah, mm. right. you kind of mm. forget. You kind of forget. So, Russ, I was thinking about your initial question about like when you talked about seasons and patterns, because mm. Mm. there are seasons mm-hmm. that are more yeah. like flow yes. capacity. Mm-hmm. And so then the trick becomes, what does it look like to take gulps of air and water, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in those times? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're no novice to ministry. You've been through lots of these seasons. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, we're here calling upon your memory saying yeah. mm-hmm. in the past, what have been ways that you've navigated through seasons like this or others where you've been like, these are signs that I, mm. I navigated it well. Yeah, These were things that were in there. Mm. So this is like fairly typical for the fall, except there's some added layers this right. fall. Yeah. Right. Building, time. Um, building thing and some other life stuff. I think one of the things that I've, recognize like in busy seasons, it's more about like, I'm doing a better job at managing the rate at which I disappoint people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, if I'm going to be healthy, if I'm going to be boundaried, if I'm going to be a faithful, limited human being, Mm. then that's going to entail disappointment for people whose expectations that are on me exceed my humanity. And so I have to disappoint people at a rate that does not ultimately cause them to just run off or draw the wrong conclusions. It's like, hey, listen, you know, I have to I have to be clear with people. I'm like, right. I care about this deeply. And also I'm at my limit and I need to live the life that I call you to every week myself. Hmm. Also, like I just really delight in the the, the life that I have outside of ministry. Like Mm. You know, it's huge, yeah. Huge. Like I love to cook. I love music. I love you know not, not just listening to music, but making music. Right. I love having fun with my kids and spending time with my family. And you know, I, like when those things are popping off, 
I feel like those are very life-giving and sustaining practices. But then it's like there are times where I feel like those those good things that I love, like no one has to twist my arm. Like I'm a hard worker, but I don't think I'm a workaholic because I find joy outside of my work, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, I can put it down, but there are times where you feel like if I put this down, it's going to compromise our mission. It's going to undermine our mission. So for example, just in a very concrete way, if I don't take these meetings that I have to take in the process of trying to raise money for a building, if I don't grind, if I don't hustle, this is uniquely on me, right? right? If I don't, because I'm going to live my boundary life, then this, this exciting possibility for the mission of our church that our community is fully 100% agreed upon, like this is what we need to you know, move forward in for a mission. If I live that boundary life, I'm not just letting... I'm not just letting a few people down. I'm letting my, I feel like the feeling is that you're letting your whole community down. And your actions are actually undermining what you have verbally said to your community, right? And so there's that feeling, you know, that I I find myself wrestling with here lately because it's like, oh man, we gotta we gotta get it in. And I think the other thing is even some sense of like being able to see the light at the end of that season, the light at the end of that tunnel. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I can see when this is gonna let up. I can actually look at the calendar and see, oh, that's when things begin to taper off. When I can't see that, that's a great point. That becomes yeah, like it's right. never ending, right? You know, right? You said there's some rich things you said there. Mm-hmm. One, I'd never thought about it with I've all you know the workaholic thing. What's the difference between it, it, you just nailed it when you said people that can't have joy outside of their. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing of like. Is there a start and end to this season? Mm. Like, is it a thoughtful thing? Uh-huh. You know, is it a plan that has a beginning and an end? Yeah. Two things came to mind as I was as we were talking about this, and hmm. I don't know if I've done this well with. I've always believed it takes faith to rest. Yes. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it, that was clear way back when. I mean, mm. there they are. Everything depends on their land. Mm. Right. Mm. And and there you have your pagan farmers. Like they're just going crazy all the time. Mm. And the Israelites are like, "What? Mm. We're not going to touch the land for a year, or we're not going to touch it for this." You know, I was thinking, what does it, what does it mean like to lead by example? Mm. Because it was like when the apostles find Jesus. Everybody's looking for you. Where are you? You're supposed to be in the clock. You know, whatever. And he just is like, you know, no, I'm not doing that game. But I wish I more intentionally laid out for our church as the vision hmm. to say, and you see this month here, we're going to lie fallow. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. What does that look like? We're going to have very right. little. And mm-hmm. I'm going to encourage that principle. you. Yeah, be with we're not going to have a community. We do times like that, like mm. no community groups in the summer. Yeah, but there's not like a vision for it. Right? Mm. That this is intentional. This That's is good. how you how you frame it. And I and I think I've thought about that. <laughs> I've thought about it, but I haven't actually <laughs> implemented it. Right. I mean, Brueggemann actually does a good job of talking about Sabbath as a missional thing Mm -hmm. because it always was in Israel, Mm -hmm. right? It was what distinguished God's people from their neighbors, Mm -hmm. from the Canaanites and so on. Yes. Mm -hmm. And because no one else was doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's no different in our city, a city like DC, where people are dying for stoppage, Mm -hmm. ceasing, rest, Mm -hmm. Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And yet what could it look like for the people of God to actually stand out, not just for their 
morality mm-hmm. per se, right? right? Which is normally how we think of the holiness of God's people, but because of their Sabbath, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what, what more attractive and costly yes. practice would there be for this to be the defining characteristic of God's people mm. in a city like Washington, D.C.? Those are the people that stop. And I'm not mm. just talking about Chick-fil-A. Oh, <laughs> right. The you know, holy bird, holy bird. <laughs> right. Could Chick Fil A be disappointing a lot of people one day out of the That's week? That's true. Right? The, you know, I have but maybe on occasion up. cursed Chick Fil A because I pulled off the highway I, I ready for a chicken too. sandwich, and, and I'm you like, forget. Why y'all gotta be so sabbatarian? But Duke, you know, the other thing you think it's attractive to our context. Uh, not only because of the, oh, look at this person. He's not driven by mm. everything. She's not driven by everything. But Sabbath inevitably also leads to community, mm-hmm. hospitality, mm-hmm. love, friendships, mm. and service. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. good. I mean, the last thing I'll say before we do some takeaways is uh, I, I, I had the reflection one time when I was just grinding and grinding. I was working hard and I was burning the candle at both ends. And I was like, hmm. If someone looked at my life right now, yeah. they would think that Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you work. <laughs> but he distinctly says, I'll give you rest. And that is that is something in need of recovery as a regular part of our habits and practices is recovering that that perspective, remembering that message from the mouth of Jesus. Because he has given us work. But it's interesting that from his own lips in distinguishing his teaching, what he said is he called weary people, mm. hustlers, workers, uh, workaholics, like visionaries, all he's called us to rest. Mm. And what I ultimately is the most convincing is that not only do you have Jesus at the center of the story saying, giving that message, the beginning of God's story God shows you. It's almost like he's like a parent who lays down with his restless kids and says, let me show you how to take a nap. Right. Right. That's right. It start at the beginning of the story, there's rest. And then at the end of the story, Hebrew says it frames glory as entering rest. Mm -hmm. And so the whole story really could be, the whole story of God can be read through the lens of rest. And the question is, are we bearing witness to that dynamic of God's story? in the way that we live. Mm. And that is most challenging to me personally and is most freeing to me to want to actually stop, let it go and follow a a father Benton, uh, you know, when he says about Sabbath, you know, uh, uh, Wilson Benton, uh, one of our- uh, different, dedicated and delightful. Yes, I found that so helpful and I appreciated that. It stuck with me to this day. I I was telling my kids about that. I couldn't remember one of the Ds though. Yeah, right, right, right. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about, yeah, because I was telling them why we make, chocolate chip pancakes on Sunday morning, mm. the, you know, little indicators of the delight of the mm, Sabbath, making it mm. fun and all that. Duke but, added a fourth D and don't mess with daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a given. They don't need to be told that, right? Wake me up from my nap. Right, they, they the holy nap. The wrath of God, right? <laughs> let, me, let me throw in this quick thought before, mm. I know we're winding down right yeah. now, but yeah. in that, as we mentioned that, that period of, of burnout in 2016 and stuff, one of the most profound lessons that I learned during that time hmm. was it was actually aided by, well, this was a longer journey, but reflections how aided by our brother Chuck DeGroat and his yeah. book and on wholeheartedness. <laughs> and that book, uh, that book helped man, me. Man, kick my butt, right? Yes. 
So for years, I knew that I struggled with perfectionism. Mm. For years, I knew I was exhausted. Hmm. And, but I never really knew. And, and, and for years, I, I had kind of started to pick up on how much I struggled with shame. Mm. But I had never actually put together this idea that I'm tired in part because I'm driven by perfectionism, mm. which my soul uses as a Band-Aid and fig leaf mm. for the shame mm. that I mm. feel. Mm. So sort of connecting the dots between those three things. There's an incredible quote that he has mm. in the book of a, of a, I believe it's a, a Catholic priest. I might be getting that wrong. But when discussing the question of Sabbath and rest, he says, you know, more rest is, is not, actually the antidote yeah. to your exhaustion. Yes. And it's like, what? Wait, wait, wait. If you're <laughs> if you're exhausted, don't you need more rest? And, and what he's getting at there is what's actually draining the crud out of us mm. is our fragmentation mm. pulled in all different directions. The idols of our heart, the commitments that we make, the promises that we, we've bound ourselves to of just like running in all different kinds of directions in all different ways mm. And it's like, no wonder we feel not just exhausted, but inhuman. Mm. And the only point, there's so much more to unpack with that idea, but the main point I'm I'm raising here is how much inner work there needs to happen. Like burnout is not just about reforming our outward practices or a couple cool ways of having fun once a week or that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Not, not to make light of those things, that's crucial. But in my case, in the case of a lot of people, it really is a matter of a deeper work that needs to happen of finding wholeness Dude. in Christ. Yes. Right? That was wholeness a paradigm as shift. A person, right? That was a paradigm shift for me when he said that the antidote to that weariness is not rest, it's wholeheartedness. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? What? I, I I think it would be fair to say that that was included in Jesus' mentality when he called us to rest, Absolutely. when he invited us to rest. Yeah. It's a holistic, it's a, it's more, a human, it's yeah. called a humanity, right? Yes. And so, you know, so listen, my takeaways are, man, there was, this was a very good conversation. I found this very helpful. I appreciate y'all. The first thing is like how important community is in assessing your mm. own state. Like, mm. cause there's sometimes that you can't see yourself and you need someone from the outside to be able to either say, no, I don't think it's burnout, but I do think mm. that you're overdoing it in the season. Yeah, or it yeah, could yeah. be like, bro, you don't think you're burnt out? I think you're burnt out. We should talk more about this and get some other eyes on it. So community. Mm. So, uh, the second thing is like really knowing yourself. And I think we live under the delusion that we really know ourselves. Yeah. But I've had enough experiences in my life where it was like, oh, Russ Whitfield, meet Russ Whitfield. And I was like, no, that's me. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't realize that about myself. So like knowing yourself and- that is that having some kind of baseline for yeah. really understanding like where you're at. And I just think that was a fire word, Duke, that you gave about like, there's a difference between entering into your work week out of a deep restedness that, that stems from communion and wholeheartedness versus when you're just running on adrenaline that it, that is a result of ministry success. Like I, Mm, you didn't have to get all up in my mix like that on today, but you did. Mm, yeah. But I just find that a very, very, very helpful. I had a mentor one time who was challenging me. He's like, you know, I was like, yeah, I'd love to preach. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, what you love is the adrenaline. And I was like, why are you going to have to do me like that? <laughs> why can't I just love God's word? Yeah. He's yeah. like, when you're as content to preach across the kitchen table to one other person as you are to preach to a big group of people, 
then I'll know that you really are locked in on what it's about. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, thank you, sir. May I have another? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyway, That's I so have benefited from this conversation. Y'all have any final um, takeaways? Yeah. I was just thinking about just what you were saying too. just again, that the fruit of ministry cannot be our sustenance for keep on going on. You know, mm. like, like that, I, I think we think of it that way where it's like, Oh, if it's good, then I'll yeah, eat that. And then keep, keep on going, keep That's on going. Good, right. It's, it, we're running a marathon and not, not just to make it, but to mm. do it in a healthy way, in a faithful way, especially in a way that enables us to be faithful to all our other callings mm. in our families and to neighbor and to so on and so forth. Duke out here trying to start preaching. To listen. Yeah, Duke out here trying to preach. He, yeah. Look, the fruit of ministry can't be your sustenance. It has to be the bread yeah. from heaven. <laughs> you bring the soundtrack. Glenn, <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, my last thing is going to be... I think I've got a thin view of rest. Mm. I'm always tempted to. Like mm. this last part you all have been talking about, the wholeheartedness, sometimes that feels like work to me. Mm. It's not work. Mm. I've tasted it. Mm. And I've been praying for a while now that God, one of my prayers is God, you know, change my patterns, mm. you know, to be more and more healthy. Mm. And I think some of that is I will crave like, oh, man, can't wait to get my day off. You know, just <laughs> yeah, can't right. wait to, again. Right. and that's probably signs of other stuff, but to not, just to see the limits that all of us, right, have had vacations. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're like, I'm all better for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, so that that is a good call for me to like start mm. with the rest of the soul mm. and build on top of that. That's good. That's so good. good. Well, so many tired and exhausted, maybe even burnt out people out there. So I hope this episode was helpful to the rest of you all out there listening. Thank you for listening to this conversation. We hope that you'll join us for the next episode of Till We Feast. Please subscribe in the meantime, share this podcast, write a review, tell your friends. Tell your friends about me. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. Um, And join us again. Hope to see you soon. Peace, y'all. Take care. Bye-bye.